in Scripture, we find that, and especially if Paul's using it, we find that he has laid the foundation of a case or a conclusion, and then he's drawing the conclusion from it. We spent last preaching service dealing with chapter number 3 and uh, going through it thoroughly. And Paul uses the charge that he gives to Timothy based on the argument of chapter 3. He says, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at His appearing. Now, the word quick here is referring to those that are alive. It's an old English usage of the word quick, meaning living or dead. Uh, And so understand that uh, we're not talking about just somebody who's fast, uh, but someone who's alive, okay? And that's the usage of this in this particular case. Um, Who shall judge the quick and the dead at His appearing and His kingdom? Preach the word, be instant, in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth, and shall be turned unto fables. But watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry." Father, I pray that you'll bless the message, and uh, Lord, as we continue this thought and uh, preach from it, I pray that you will guide and direct our steps. May we be helpful, and may your Holy Spirit uh, stir the embers of our heart, the areas that need to have the flames fanned into a a raging, burning passion in our hearts and our lives. I pray that your Holy Spirit will do so, that he will stir those embers and fan those flames that the word of truth coming from your word will be sufficient to cause us to have full understanding of the urgency of the hour that we live, the day that we live, to live godly, to live in uh, full yieldedness to the leading from your word and from your Holy Spirit. Guide and direct us in this hour, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. In Paul's charge to Timothy, he Uh, refers to this thing in verse number 2 of preaching the Word. In other words, in light of what he referred to in chapter 3 with regards to uh, there being uh, perilous times and the fact that people are going to get to the place of having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof, he gives a little bit of the the remedy for that in chapter 3 and verse number 10 as he deals with uh, things that he was doing to combat those things. And in chapter 4, he says, Now, Timothy, I'm going to give you a charge. And it's one thing for you to know what I'm doing. It's another thing entirely for you to put into place and into practice things that you need to be doing. And so he starts this charge in verse number 2 by telling Timothy to preach the Word. And uh, can I tell you this? There is no improving on God's way of doing things. Church still works. The preaching of the Word of God still works. It is still the method that God has chosen to accomplish His work. And uh, we're living in a day where people are coming up with all sorts of methods, are they not? Uh, We keep coming up with, boy, i got this great idea, and here's what we can do to get a bunch of people. Well, uh, there's no substitute for doing things God's way. And when uh, Paul tells Timothy that, listen, if we're going to combat this thing of people having a form of godliness... But denying the power thereof, it's going to require preaching. And uh, he goes on to make some statements here that 
Uh, on the surface, if we don't take time to understand what he's saying, we may miss some of this. But he even characterizes the preaching that Timothy is to do. And I want us to look at that very quickly in verse number 2. And he says, preach the Word. And then he uses a phrase, be instant in season, out of season. Now, I'm going to stop for a moment because oftentimes over the years as I have read this passage, uh, I have uh, referred to it and I've heard other preachers refer to it as simply always being ready uh, at an instant to be able to preach and to be able to give an account of, of the things of the Lord. But I want us to understand, I, I looked up some of these older English words that are used in a way that we don't normally use them today. And so I looked them up in the Webster's 1828 Dictionary and it actually uses these specific phrases that are found in this verse as the way to define uh, what they are used as in the Old English. And uh, he makes this statement as he says in verse number 4, Therefore, before God the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at His appearing in His kingdom, preach the Word, he says, be instant. I thought, well, I wonder what that word instant means. Does it just mean be prepared? Does it mean to always be ready? Well, let's let the Bible define it for us. Isn't that always a good way to do it? Let's look back to Romans chapter number 12, if you will. Romans chapter number 12. And uh, we're going to look in verse number 12. Romans chapter number 12 and verse number 12. Paul speaking again here. He says, Rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing, the word continuing here, instant in prayer. So I looked it up, this usage. When it's used this way in our King James Bibles, what is the intent of the, of the meaning? And the, the definition that Webster's gives from that time period and that era where the language was so much uh, more um, vital than it is today, so much clearer than it is today, we've so uh, messed up the English language in recent years, uh, the, what Webster's defines it as in this usage is that to be innocent means to be pressing to with importunity and with urgency and earnestness. And so when we look at the usage of it, he's speaking of it in Romans 12 and verse number 12 of being continuously instant in prayer. He's talking about the fervency of our praying, the earnestness of our praying, the pressing, the importunity of our prayers. Uh, and uh, again, the same usage is found as we get to Second uh, Timothy chapter 4, when Paul tells Timothy, preach the word, be instant. When you preach, have, have a pressing urgency of the matter. Make sure that there is a, 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 an earnestness, a fervency of spirit in preaching. It's not enough for us to simply get up and, and be a Ben Stein of spiritual uh, preaching and uh, to, to get up and dry eyes commercial and, uh, you know, and, and to have... When the truth of God's Word gets a hold of the heart, there comes a passion and a zeal to uh, be able to share that with other people. And when it comes to the preaching of the Word of God, whether it be from a pulpit or whether it be from a Christian that is sharing the Word of God with another Christian, there needs to be some zeal behind it. There needs to be some some pressing and some urgency that is indicated through the preaching or the teaching of that truth. Uh, I've had the privilege this past week to sit and work with some other folks outside of our church that have some spiritual needs, and a, a few of them, and to counsel with them this week. And uh, when we dealt with the problems, and they kept bringing up, well, this is the problem, and this is the problem, I kept saying, no, you're not even looking at the problem. 
The problem is of a spiritual nature, and we've got to come to God's Word. And, and there was an intensity there, and there was an urgency there, because they needed, needed to understand how urgent, how vital the truth of God's Word was. Paul is dealing with Timothy on how to combat this idea of people who have gotten to the point of having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. And he says the remedy of this is to preach the Word, but don't just preach it. Preach it being instant with it, with, with a perseverance, with a pressing toward the mark, with, a, with an urgency of the truth. We don't just need to fix it. We need to fix it now. A number of years ago, I had the opportunity uh, to go to uh, Collegedale, uh, Tennessee, right outside of Chattanooga. And I spent 13 days there doing my instrument training in an airplane, learning how to fly by instruments and getting that certification. And uh, I was coming in on an approach into Chattanooga, and I was wearing these, these glasses where you can't see anything outside. And uh, all you can see are your instruments, and you're supposed to follow your instruments. Very, very precise flying, and, and it keeps you in a very small cube going right down to the runway. And if you get outside of this, this zone that they show you on your instruments there, you are in danger of running into things. And so when you're training for these things, you have to have a safety pilot, or in this case I had an instructor sitting in the seat beside me, and he could see. He could look out and see if I'm getting ready to run into something or not, in case I made a mistake on my instruments. And, but I could not see. I had to trust him. And, and when we were uh, coming in on an approach, and, and uh, I was uh, one of the things in, in instrument flying, they don't care if you go a little bit above it. They don't really want you to, but if you go too high, you're not going to be in danger of running into something. But if you come in too low, you're really close. And so they give you a zero tolerance on going low. And I was coming in, and I was a little bit low. And my instructor said, just casually, he said, uh, watch your altitude. And I, I looked at it, and my glide slope was off. I was a little bit below. I said, I got it. And I, I made some adjustments to, to bring the airplane up into where it needed to be. But it was a gradual change. I had made an attempt at it. And after a few seconds of that, all of a sudden the yoke of the airplane came all the way back into my chest. I didn't do it. came all the way back into my chest. I mean, I have a big belly, and it came all the way to it. And the plane pitched up like this really steep. And I looked over, and that instructor had a hold of that yoke, and he yanked it back like this, and he looked at me, and he said, he had already told me to fix it. And he looked at me, and he said, fix it now. It wasn't time for me to dilly-dally and to sit there and kind of play with trying to make some kind of an improvement. I needed to correct some things or we were going to be in some trouble. And it wasn't something I could take my time on and say, uh, I'll get to it when I get to it. I see it. I know it's a problem and I'll take care of it. He said, no, you've got to fix it and you've got to fix it now. And when he did it, it was not telling me, hey, by the way, you might want to come up a little bit. There was an urgency to it because he understood the danger of continuing down that path. And when Paul speaks of this, I believe very much so that his intent is something similar to what my instructor had that day when he said, don't just fix it, don't just preach, and don't just preach that they need to obey the truth, but teach that they need to obey the truth now. They need to fix it now. There needs to be an urgency to it. We're living in a day where our world doesn't have the time to gradually come to Christ. There needs to be some changes, and there need to be some changes now. 
There need to be some of God's people that make changes in their life and not just gradually get better at being a testimony to the lost world. They need to become a testimony now. We need to fix it. Paul says, preach the Word, be instant. It's not a word we use in that way very often or in that manner very often. But it's what the old English word was used as. Then he makes this phrase, in season and out of season. These were actual word phrases that were used in Old English. They would oftentimes use the phrase in season or out of season. And the actual phrase itself meant in good times, in season, in good times or, or early. Uh, be on time. When things are going well, on time. When it's out of season, it means even in the bad times or when things are late. Whether you're on time or whether you're late, preach. Whether it's in good times or in bad times, preach. Do it whether it's convenient or it's not convenient, preach. Why? Because there's a need that is urgent. And that is a world that has given itself to the pleasures, uh, the, the, the love for pleasure more than the love of God, that have a form of godliness but deny the power thereof. And there is an urgent need for God's people to stand up and say, fix it and fix it now. I'm going to say it when it's convenient to say it, and I'm going to say it when it's not convenient to say it. I'm going to say it when it seems like we're a little early and there's not really a need to say it right now because things are going well. And I'm going to say it when I realize that we've let it go way too long and it seems like it's too late. It still needs to be preached. And this is what Paul tells Timothy. Preach the Word, Timothy. Preach it. Be instant. In season, out of season, doesn't matter. The answer... To the need of men is preach the Word. Preach it. Notice he says this, for the time will come. He says, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and what? There's that word again. Doctrine. The reason they got in the mess they were in in chapter number 3 is because of the lack of preaching doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. Paul tells Timothy, you need to preach. You need to preach whether it's early, whether it's late, whether it's on time, whether it's past time, whether it's convenient, whether it's not convenient. You need to preach every time you get opportunity and preach with urgency. Preach with the idea that there needs to be decisions not just made, but there need to be decisions made now. Why? Because there's coming a day, and it's not very far away. And in fact, in the day that we live, we could look at it and say, there has come a day, and we're there, that they will not endure sound doctrine. I mentioned in the earlier service, twice this week, twice in one week, I had one person tell me of this, and I had one person send me a picture of something written on the back window of a, of a car that was in front of them that said, we do not care what the Bible says. We've gone from a society that was just simply ignorant of doctrine to a society that despises doctrine. It's because we've lacked in preaching. It's because we've lacked in preaching with fervency. We've lacked in preaching the whole counsel of God and dealing with doctrine even when it didn't seem like it needed to be dealt with. Even when it seemed like it was past time 
preachers neglected the preaching of doctrine. And we find that we're in a day where even to this day, men stand behind pulpits all over our country. While we're sitting here, there are men that are standing behind pulpits who are frittering away the time that they have uh, the attention of God's people by not teaching them doctrine. They're teaching them health and wealth and prosperity and power of positive thinking and to love themselves, which we found in chapter 3 was the downfall of these people. These men did not preach doctrine. They did not preach it with urgency. They did not preach it continuously. And because of that, the Bible says, and Paul tells Timothy, there's going to come a time where they will not endure, for the time will come where they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lusts, there's that love of self again, isn't there? After their own lust, they shall heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. Brother Harold was mentioning just a few moments ago at lunch the idea that in chapter 3 it says they are unable to come to the knowledge of the truth. I believe the reason they're unable to is because they refuse to look to the truth of God's Word. They're looking for truth in every place but there. They turn their ears, in verse number 4 it says, they turn their ears away from the truth and shall be turned unto fables, and they're going to look to the fables for their truth. And they won't find it. They're not able to come to a knowledge of the truth because they reject where truth comes from. They get so enamored with this searching for the truth, but their own lust, their own love of self gets in the way, and they begin to gather teachers around themselves that will tell them what they want to hear. They'll seek teachers that will satisfy their own appetites. They'll want people to teach them and to stand in front of them and say, this is truth, and do nothing but satisfy the lusts of their own flesh. And the Bible says they're not going to be able to find that truth. They're looking in the wrong place for it. They have the wrong source. They'll turn away, verse number 4, their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. Paul tells Timothy, preach the Word. Be instant. Have a sense of urgency there. Have a, have a persistence. Don't give up on it. Don't quit it. Don't, don't, don't have uh, times and seasons where you just go through the motions of preaching, but preach with urgency and with fervency. Preach when it's convenient. When it's not convenient. When it's time to preach. And when it's not time to preach, just preach. That's what Paul's telling Timothy. Because there's going to come a time where they're going to turn their ears away from the truth and be turned into fable. Not only is he charging Timothy to preach, but I want you to notice also this. He says in verse number 5, But watch thou in all things. We're to watch in all things. We're to be watchful of the condition of our world and be understanding of the Bible talks about that as walking circumspectly, not as wise, or not as fools, but as wise. We're to be redeeming the time because we see the world the way that it is. We see the, the downward spiral. We find that the, the evil men in verse number 13 of chapter 3, Paul said, evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. And we understand this because we watch and we see what's going on. We find that the nation as a whole and our society as a whole is continuing to get worse and worse. Paul tells Timothy, he said, not only to preach with fervency and with power, with strength and being instant in preaching, 
Not only are you to preach in season and out of season, but he said you need to be watchful. I believe there is an implication that Paul puts here in the sense that he tells Timothy, you need to see what the world needs as far as truth so that you can effectively apply it. You need to be aware of what's happening in the world. You need to preach on the things. Somebody said years ago, I was talking to a fellow, and he made a great analogy. I love the idea. He made this statement when somebody got on to him about what he was preaching on. He was preaching on people needing to be saved, and somebody criticized him about preaching on salvation all the time. And he made this statement to him. He said, listen, if somebody's barn's on fire, I'm not going to throw water on their house. He said, you put the water where it's needed. There needs to be a lot of discernment in God's people of the situation our world is in so we can put the water where it's needed. We can apply the truth where it's needed. He tells Timothy, he says, Watch thou in all things. He says, To endure afflictions. This doctrine that we hold to will help us to have the kind of life that we ought to live. It will help us to have the endurance during times of persecution and affliction that we ought. It strengthens our resolve. It strengthens our faith. It gives us a steadfastness. It gives us a faithfulness when the flesh wants to give up in weakness. <coughs> he tells him to endure the afflictions. He says, do the work of an evangelist. Time's running short, Timothy. Preach. Preach. Be watchful. Understand what's going on in the world. Preach. Endure afflictions, preach. Do the work of an evangelist. Keep preaching, Timothy. Don't stop. Don't give up. Don't quit. There are neighbors. There are acquaintances. There are folks that we know. There are folks we don't know that need to hear the gospel. Most of them need to hear far more than the gospel. They need to hear what God teaches about how to live. The the morality of life. We need to teach these things through the work of an evangelist. Notice he says this, make full proof of thy ministry. I looked up the word proof because this is something that we don't often use in common day language regarding our life and our testimony. The word proof written in this particular sense and in this usage in Scripture According to the Webster's Dictionary, 1828 Dictionary, means to make uh, to have firmness and stability, not to be shaken, to be armored in such a way as to resist impression. The world may try to make their mark on us; they may try to conform us to their mold, but the armor is strong enough to resist the impression of it. There's a firmness. There's a stability. There's an unshakableness. This idea of making foolproof of our ministry. It's amazing to me how many ministries in the day that we live. I was talking with a young person, just a young person, young married person. Talking to them about a week and a half ago about the importance of them getting their family in church. The importance of building their home around the church house and the things of the Lord. You know what their their comment to me was? Was My husband and I have talked about it, and we see so much scandal of abuse, children abuse in the church house coming to light. People that have swept things under the carpet. 
Can I tell you this? There certainly is that. Satan has certainly gotten a foothold. He's allowed ministries to be shaken by it. He's caused these ministries to have a black eye as far as the world is concerned. Paul tells Timothy, he says, make full proof of your ministry. Make certain that if others are going down that road, if other ministries are failing and floundering, and we certainly know that there are, make certain that yours does not. Make full proof of it. Be steadfast in it. Be resolved. Do not allow the world to put their impression upon you in your ministry. Paul goes through all of chapter 3 teaching Timothy the things that we dealt with and taught last hour. He says, Therefore, I charge thee before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at His appearing in His kingdom. Preach the Word. Preach the Word. Everywhere we go, preach the Word. Be instant. In season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. If there's a charge that we need to hear today from God's Word, it's this. Preach the Word. You say, Pastor, that's good. You need to preach the Word. No, this charge is for every Christian. If all we do is rely upon the preachers and the pulpits of our churches to preach the Word, this world will never hear the Gospel in time. There must be a leaving of the church house and to go into the highways and hedges and to preach everywhere we go. I know the Bible says let the women keep silent in the churches, but as soon as you get out those doors, you let it rip. I jest somewhat. Whether it's men or women, we are to be a testimony. We are to share the gospel with the lost and the dying world. Folks, we're living in a time where we have waited too long. We're out of season right now. But Paul says, preach anyway. Preach anyway. Let's let's be faithful. Let's rededicate our hearts, reconsecrate our lives, and say, Lord, I want to be faithful to preach the Word. I want to share this with everyone I know. I want to teach young people the values, the, the, the precepts, the principles of God's Word. I want people in our country to once again understand and know the value of the truth of God's Word. That we not become a generation that loves pleasure more than we love God. I hope that will be a help and a challenge to us today. Let's stand together and be dismissed in prayer. Father, we're so thankful for Your Word. How it guides and directs us. And Lord, we've just this afternoon kind of done uh, an after-meeting, if you will, of our initial preaching service today. We've made some concluding thoughts. Just a brush-up and a summary of really what the afternoon service was earlier. I pray that you will help